Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad. And I'm Evan. And you are listening to the Monday Morning Minute. And this week in fictional news, kind of a slow reading week, uh, fictional news-wise. Like, I haven't really seen a whole lot of different things, but I did want to talk to you, Chad, about your thoughts on Starfield, which comes out Tuesday, I believe, on the 5th. It's coming out this week. For anybody that doesn't know, Starfield is a new Bethesda game. Bethesda barely puts out video games anymore. They put out Skyrim in 2011. They put out Oblivion, Morrowind, the, all the Elder Scrolls games, and they put out uh, all the Fallout games. So Fallout Skyrim. 3 and 4 and 76. It's, it's, you know, Skyrim is like the most popular one. Right. People are still playing it. It's still like 40 yeah, bucks I'm still or something. playing Skyrim. Like, yeah, it's an amazing, <laughs> yeah. amazing game. You could argue that Bethesda has put forth some of the greatest games of all time. Yeah, I mean, I think when we could argue here on the podcast that like, we could probably find a couple more little like I think like the new Bobbyverse book is coming out soon and like there's like some stuff that's like happening but like the big news in the nerd world right now <laughs> the nerd is, world <laughs> yeah it's Sky it's I was just about to say Skyrim it's Starfield the the new Bethesda game which I didn't really even yeah, know anything yeah. about until a little bit ago when you told me if anybody is curious on like my first impressions on it, I just, I haven't played it yet I'm gonna get it the day it comes out uh, I have an Xbox and everything and I have Game Pass and stuff it seems to me. From what I've looked at, and I, I try not to ever really like spoil my spoil games for myself, but I have looked at some footage of it and I've watched some trailers and stuff. I'm just going to say this right now and we'll talk about it more next week and when I've played it. But it just seems like the Outer Worlds and like No Man's Sky kind of slam together. Like it's just it's Skyrim and space. space Skyrim, right? Yeah, it's, it's or Space Fallout, I guess, would be closer to it because okay. there's like guns and stuff. But it sure. doesn't look like something that's really going to blow me away. But it also doesn't look like something that's super bad and really, really disappointing either. So I, I think it'll pretty good. I mean, it looks I pretty think it might awesome. blow you away. Maybe. Uh, I mean, like, I, I'm just not really like a big I think I've mentioned this before, but I, I'm not a huge like space video game guy. Right. I'd rather attack with swords. Yeah, I'm like a big fan of, um, you know, like The Witcher and Skyrim and um, mm -hmm. like all the From Software games like uh, Dark Souls and Magic Over Technology. Yeah, I mean, that's just my personal thing. Now, that's, I mean, I, that's not to say that I, you know, I, I really love Mass Effect. I love Dead Space. Uh, so don't get me wrong. I do love a good old game in space. But yeah, I mean, like I played The Outer Worlds, which is um, the developer that's uh, Obsidian who did Fallout New Vegas. Mm. And like they did Outer Worlds and like Outer Worlds is pretty good. Um, I didn't finish it, but it seems like Starfield is going to be a lot of kind of like hey go get this thing you know like right like, go clear out this camp and then go go, go scan the thing you know like, right right which you know i don't know how else like i mean i'm sure there are other ways but it's 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 an easy go-to you know that's their bread and butter i think with space the problem with making a good space game is there's so many different elements to make perfect right there's like a travel yeah. Yeah. element to it which like do you just like select a place on the map and then you're there or do you actually get to fly the craft which is what you want to be able to do and it appears from the trailers that i watched that you will be able to like get in space battles flying around with your craft you know yeah which is like a totally new and different battle system than having a gun battle with somebody you know so it's a lot of work to do right in my opinion and it looks like man they might have like the and, and the trailer looks amazing i'll put in a link to it in the description beneath this episode but yeah it's uh, pretty cool dude the graphics and the cinematics were amazing oh yeah no it looks really good like yeah i mean i it's funny because i feel like with bethesda they're such a gigantic company and they just got bought by microsoft they have more money than god they've got it's it's a they're a huge huge gaming company and i think that 
you know, whenever, especially with video games, it seems like whenever something gets really, really, really popular, obviously the bar for that thing goes up a lot. It seems like everybody's expectations of Bethesda are almost like, it's like, why would you have them that high? You know, like, right, right, I'm not trying right. to tell anybody how to play video games. It better be freaking perfect or I'm going to hate it. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it's just like, dude, you're kind of just signing yourself up for disappointment because. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I remember when Skyrim first came out, my brother had a PlayStation 3, which was notorious for being the worst system to run it on. And I remember <laughs> we, uh, he bought it like this, like the day after it came out and everybody i was living in a four-bedroom house with like seven other dudes and there was a period <laughs> where like where everybody played around a, a, a playthrough of skyrim and everybody it was like the was, game people bought and, consoles just and, to play yeah and everybody was watching everyone else do playthroughs of skyrim <laughs> we had like a year period where all of us were watching everybody else play skyrim and it was amazing but like when it first came out it was a mess. There were so many bugs and it was such a, yeah. a, a giant disaster of a game. And, and same thing with them. Um, I feel like people kind of forget this too, but when The Witcher 3 came out in I think like 2015. See, I didn't play it, was, it when it first came out. It was apparently, a year I didn't play it till like 2018 or 19, but apparently that game was a mess when it came really? out. Like it was like such, such an absolute disaster at launch oh. and everybody was really upset about it. But like, I, I think that, you know, a bigger part of this conversation is that Bethesda seems to do this weird thing where they kind of like throw out these like half finished games and then expect the modding community to come along and kind of like figure it all out. Fix it. Which it's yeah, super lame. Like, yeah, I mean like yeah, I won't I won't say that's not shitty. That's definitely lame. Yeah. Yeah, who who made that one game that was like very very hyped and they pushed back the release date for it so many times. It was an open world city game, kind of like Grand Theft Auto, had tons Cyberpunk. of bugs. Cyberpunk. I bought that game yeah. thinking, man, this is going to be so great. And after like the fifth time of getting like stuck on top of a crate, like glitching out, I was just like, <laughs> I'm out of here, man. Like this is so lame. Apparently it's really great now. Oh, um, really? Like you, okay. Yeah, I know you probably have it on your PlayStation. If you like download an update for it, Okay, um, probably a lot better. I'm sure, it's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, I'm a big reader. You're a big reader in our audience. You know, everybody listening right now, we're all a bunch of readers. And, you know, that's why I love games like Mass Effect and um, Skyrim and Oblivion and Fallout and stuff, because you really are immersing yourself into that world. You're playing a book. And that's like what I'm really hoping for with yeah. Starfield. Like, I'm not really that concerned with like the graphics or like, I'm not concerned with the gunplay or like any, I, I want to be immersed. That's what's really important to me. What do you think is the biggest factor that leads to your immersion of a game? The, the feedback loop and like my, like the, what like do you the, mean by feedback loop? Like something that makes it so that I want to keep playing it, you know, Got whether it. that's like the conversations I'm having, the quests that I'm on, the storyline, the reward system, stuff like that. Like that's the really important stuff. Character growth me. systems. Yeah. Like, like, um, in Fallout 4, there's some characters, I don't want to spoil any like storylines or anything, but there are some characters that you meet that you're like, I, I really like this person. Like, I'm glad I get to like, it's like, okay, now go back and talk to that person. You're like, oh, sweet. I got to go talk to them. Cause obviously the storyline is progressing and i don't want to give a lot of credence to fallout 4's storyline because it's kind of stupid but have you played fallout 4 uh, no i never have so let me let me just explain why i get a little like dreary-eyed with some of the post-apocalyptic open world they're pretty games. brutal so yeah. that's why i like the fallout games because they're kind of funny and like tongue-in-cheek about it right too. right and that's a lightheartedness that i appreciate the, the plot of fallout 4 i don't i know i said i didn't want to spoil anything but i the game's been a out for tiny, how long a, a, a sprinkling of spoilers for everybody that's that's curious and i know we've been talking about video games so we'll move on to books in just a second but the reason i think that the fallout 4 story 
storyline is really stupid is because the whole idea of these Bethesda games is that you like lose yourself in this gigantic world and you go on all kinds of side quests and stuff. And it's like, it's exploration. Like time ceases to exist. You know, there are no timed missions. There are no, I mean, there are some in like the abstract, like being in a casino. But yeah, that's a very, very good way of putting it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I want out of it too. But with Fallout 4, your son goes missing and you have to find him. And so like the whole first like couple hours of the game, it's like this frantic, like, where's my baby? Where's my kid? Where is he? And then like as the game kind of like does its Bethesda thing, now you're like way over here, like building a restaurant out of like screwdrivers. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just like, wait, why, why are you what running about a my franchise? Like, <laughs> but, and then I feel like they kind of tried to clean it up like um, narratively. Like they, they kind of tried to clean it up by like you like finding your kid and it's like not the end of the game but it's just like you could have done that like four you could have taken you 400 hours to do that right it's silly well that's what's silly about like kind of all of those games right like there's parts of i remember like skyrim and morrowind where it's like towns will be attacked and then i'm like (laughs) kind of in the middle of like a side quest like series of quests and so it's like i'll just be like yeah i know this is happening and like the dark lord is at our gates or whatever but i'm gonna go off and like run this little parcel from this person to that person so there's kind of like a suspension of disbelief that you are required to have in order to have those games work but yeah one thing i do think that looks really cool with it is like you know i was saying I, i prefer swords over guns i prefer magic over technology almost always and they seem to have done a pretty good job of like kind of bridging the gap a little bit with like alien creatures they look like dragons you know it's like there's Mm -hmm. i saw sword in the trailer as well so it looks like there's they're kind of mimicking fantasy stuff with some of the places that you go to which i will appreciate and the music was amazing we'll say because the music is like classic iconic i'm i'm gonna come back next week and tell like because i'm gonna download it for the second i can and um you know shirk all of my other responsibilities like i want to do that's okay that happens with evan like twice a year it's you're allowed to do that uh so like this is this is definitely one of those times i really am excited to play it but i will i want to be like totally i feel like i'm a lot less charitable with video games than i am with books you know like with books like i i um that's because i'm very person yeah like i mean you mean with most really uh, heavily published stuff it's like more than one person but yeah it is basically one person that's like at the helm of all of it but with with video games um with it with like indie games and stuff like i can understand the craft a lot more and stuff and and even with triple a games like i totally understand that it's a big undertaking with a lot of different people at the helm and stuff but at the same time it's also like i don't know an expectation of quality like 500 people made this and right like, right like and a like bunch you of like literally advertised 25 like... years making the universe it better be good right yeah that's 25 true I mean, years I like yeah <laughs> like what did you even start on 25 years ago that's insane this is my last critique before playing starfield and before we get into what we did this week but like i will say i feel like no one really asked for this you know because <laughs> like everyone's been like where the hell is elder Scrolls 6 you know yeah like that's years, what we're asking like for a decade and they're like well what about this space game and everyone was like i mean i guess but could we have elder scrolls please and they're like just wait until you play the space game like, all right guys all right well hopefully it's good <laughs> i mean it's very similar to old rothfuss from making yeah, a book that's not the, the next tree. one in yeah. the series that we want him to be making a series about right I was so stoked about that novella and then um, a bunch of comments on my my initial video were just like, well, it's just the lightning tree. And I was like, oh, damn, like, Hmm. it's just like a revamped short story. Oh, lame. 
<laughs> Good old Rafa. Yeah, I was man. really uh, stoked for the silent slow regard of silent things and stuff. And then it was just kind of like a little fluffy, like it was fine, but it was just like cool dresses made of moonlight and yada yada, yeah. like you know. <laughs> like, anyway, tell me about your week. Oh man, okay, yeah. Uh, so my week was pretty cool. Uh, I interviewed Nicholas Eames, author of Kings of the Wild and Bloody Rose. Cool. And he was, that was a cool awesome. episode. I like that. We, oh, you listened to it? Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, he was awesome. He was super nice. Like the second he got on, I was just like, oh, this is going to be a slam dunk. He seemed interview. like it's a charming fellow. Easy. We talked for a while. We talked about like, I edited out a lot of us kind of nerding out about like Rush and like Led Zeppelin and Pink A little Floyd is good. Stuff. A lot is like, wow. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> but good for your rapport. So it's like good to have. Yeah, exactly. But you want to cut yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Um, But like for our listeners, like if you're ever, if you're ever listening to a, one of our interviews with an author and you feel like, I kind of like jumped to another question a bit abruptly. <laughs> the reason for that is because I was talking way too much and I needed to put in another part where the person that I asked to come on my podcast and gave me their time, <laughs> like could be on the podcast and give me their time. So like that, if you're wondering what the, maybe not, it's just all you, right? I mean, I appreciate you being like, it it's is. only me, but like, you know, I feel like there's a tendency, like we said, to talk about nerd out about things that, you know, mutual interests where it's like, that might be interesting yeah. to you and them and good for the rapport of the overall uh, interview. But yeah. you know, people don't want to hear like about you and Jason Parjan talking Stephen King for an hour and yeah, Chad brings that up a little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If anyone's curious about me and Jason Parjan, I guess Jason Parjan uh, was probably one of the easiest interviews we've ever done Effortless. because yeah, because he literally we just gave him one topic and he would talk for like forty minutes straight. And the guy can which, go, which I love it honestly. It's interesting. Like it's just, it makes it so much easier for me and Chad because that's. What, I mean, at the end of the day, the interview. Like, I, I would like it to sound like a cool conversation between, like, two cool people. But, like, right. I'm trying to get this author some um, space, you know. I want Right, you guys hear from us themselves. every week. Yeah, exactly. So, when we had Jason Pargin on, he started talking about Stephen King. <laughs> and I was, like, so happy to talk. there for it. Yeah, I was Which so I there was for too, it. but not yeah, like but Evan not was. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because usually I'm so there for it. But also, we had someone on the podcast who was also so there oh, for man. it. And Jason really wanted to talk about Stephen King. It was an exponential King, combination. So, yeah, so me and Jason, like, we, like, forgot Chad was even there. We <laughs> talked for, like, half an hour about Stephen King. And finally, Chad was just like, all right, guys. Like, yeah, I was like, come on. Everybody like, loves, you love Stephen. I love Stephen we all love steven but like i think jason you're here to talk about your next book oh and you yeah. like oh my god you guys <laughs> um but yeah so i i, uh, I interviewed nicholas eames and uh, you can you can listen to that right now definitely go read kings of the wild read bloody rose um, it's it funny because you recommended that book to me just uh, a couple weeks ago maybe just last week i think because yeah, it's got that I, awesome I cover coming on and I read Bloody Rose in like one day over the week as well and liked it immensely. I mean, I, I didn't like it quite as much as Kings of the Wild. You said that Kings of the Wild was like the most chattiest book. You were like, this is like a you book, man. You would love this. Oh, yeah. you would. Have, I mean, you love both of them. They're they're so full of action. And, um, oh, it's a duology? So cool. uh, there's, it's a trilogy. There's a oh. third book coming out. And that's um, that was like one of the really cool things about having Eames on was I could ask him questions about um, the new book Outlaw Empire he has coming out, which I mean, I've been waiting for that i was actually waiting to read it i was waiting to read bloody rose until outlaw empire came out but then after talking to nicholas eames for a little while apparently he writes really slow and oh, so really? he's been yeah so i think he like he mentioned something like a good writing day for him is like 500 words oh wow and like That's not that very is, many i wonder what is i wonder if it reduces the editing i'm not really sure yeah i mean everybody's process is so different like my process is that i just i pump out like slow 
Yeah, like a good writing day for me is like 7,000 words. Oh, like, wow, it's that's like a lot. A bunch. Yeah, but it's not clean. So that's the other thing, too. It's like it's fairly clean, but it's not that clean. Like, right, right. Like, I wonder like, if he wins on the back end. He might, yeah. Cause but I, he also I, might I be writing doing... really messily, too, and only 500 words of it. Who knows? I mean, maybe, I don't know. yeah, I have no idea. But it's, it's, you know, it's funny because I have all these authors coming on, and we're going to have more coming on in the future, too. I'm asking them these questions like, what is your advice to aspiring writers? Like, what do you do when you get writer's block? Like, what is, and it's like, ostensibly, that's totally for you, the listener. Of course it is. But it's also super for me, too. Like, I get (laughs) like this front row seat to picking these guys' brains about this stuff, which is really cool. And I think that translates really into an into a good interview because you're passionate about the things oh, I wanna that know. you're yeah, yeah I, exactly. Oh, so I you're fueled know. by yeah. trying to get information that interests yeah. you. It just also so happens to interest our audience, which is wonderful and why you know we love yeah. doing this so much. This is such a cool cover, though, man. King of the Wild has a great book. Look cover. at the one for Bloody Rose. I think it's better. Uh, really? The, the one so? from yeah, I think the Bloody Rose cover is. Okay. Oh. It's cr- Rose. Mm, I don't know, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Kings of the Wild cover is pretty awesome. It's so the, cool, dude. The Bloody Rose one is like clearer and like more colorful and like more vibrant. So like that's the I think that's the reason I liked it. More. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good, too. I yeah. think I like the Kings of the Wild one a little bit more. But um, just because this almost has like an anime vibe to it, like a yeah. little bit, yeah. you know, whereas it doesn't for uh, Kings of the Wild, which I think I prefer that sort of. Um, but both of them are awesome. They're just like super badass looking people standing there with bloody right. swords. Yeah, it looks like a band photo, like a metal band photo. Oh, I like the um, the top of the bloody rose says girls just want to have fun. And then at the yeah, top of I Kings like of the that. Wild, it says the boys are back in town, you know? Yeah, it's one's thin, one thin Lizzie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and yeah. Who, is, who does girls want to have fun? Is that Cindy Lauper? Um, I don't know. I think it's been like remade a million times. And yeah, also. Cindy Lauper. Hey, yo. Wow, nice work. Um, Starfucker does a really good cover. Wow, Evan's brain too. being a steel trap of knowledge. New. <laughs> I mean, it's not really that wild to remember that Cindy Lauper wrote girl. There's like 40 year old people in here. Like, it's Cindy Lauper, Evan. Come on. What the hell? Yeah. Um, I don't know. But, when I feel like stacked upon the incredible amount of other information inside of your brain, it's everything is impressive. Well, thank you, Chad. Yeah, you have an impressive brain. I'm trying to think of what else I did this week. Uh, I, re- I read uh, Geo by Junji Ito, which is a manga horror manga. Cool. Which was probably one of the most disgusting things I've ever read uh, or looked Not at. Cool. <laughs> I mean, it was good. It was really good. I, I think I like the subtext the most in this one. I, so now I've read uh, for Junji Ito, I've read Uzumaki, I've read Ramina, I've read Sensor. Wait, no, did I read? Yeah, Sensor and I read Geo. And so Geo seems to me, it's funny, it's like it's the grossest one I've read of his. It's the most unpleasant to read, but I also felt like, like it hit the hardest. Um, it's just really gross. Like okay. it's about, I mean, I don't want to get super into it, but it's just like, it's about like mutant fish that like smell really bad that like Ooh. attack the mainland Japan and like, gross. and it's, yeah, I mean like people get like infected with it. It's, it's okay, pretty bad. Like, it's, of, it's, okay, okay. And it's very like uh, Junji Ito really likes body horror. Well, I don't ah. know if he likes body horror, but right, right. He's very <laughs> much, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's his thing is body horror. Um, and so body horror with, uh, regular books is bad enough, but then body horror translated over to a visual medium. It's just yeah, where it doesn't require that much imagination. Lot. It's a lot sometimes. And then at the end of Geo, actually, there is another very short story called The Enigma of Amigara Fault, which is a completely separate story, but it's at the very end of Geo. And I actually had read that on the internet before I had ever read any Junji Ito. And it, I'm not going to give anything away about it, but I'll, we'll put it down in the description. You can definitely find it on the internet. It's called The Enigma of Amigara Fault. And it is 
easily the scariest thing that guy has ever written really why how so why so it's just man i can't spoil it it's horror so horror is like such a difficult thing to talk about because the whole key of it is that you don't know what you're getting yourself into you know what i mean i will just say it's like it's just one of those things that's it's so weird you don't really you're not really quite sure like what's up with this situation it's so odd and then at the very end, a bunch of things stack together and it just blows your mind. So it's that's Ooh. what I'll say about it. Is it a like plot twist or is it like a no, that's a natural progression of the story. It just also was incredible. Or was it a very twisty sort of thing? It's just a thing where you're like, yeah, it's not really like a plot. I mean, I guess I, just just read it. I'm, well, I mean, read it if you have the stomach for a weird body horror type stuff. But okay. horror manga is pretty awesome. So I, I read that and that was pretty cool. And then um, I finished Golden Fool, which is book two in the Tawny Man trilogy. I liked it. I didn't like it as much as Fool's Errand. So now I'm on the third book in the Tawny Man trilogy, which is 900 pages long. Wow. Jeez, dude. Like, so yeah, Golden Fool was 700 pages long. I like the ending a lot. I feel like with Robin Hobb books, okay, I've read a lot of Robin Hobb books now, and I feel like she kind of does the Sandra Lanch type thing. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it's hundreds and hundreds of pages of, it, you're, you're writing it like a six, you know? Right. And then... Oh, and then there's like this inciting incident, like 650 pages into the book, or like with Sanderson, it's like 950 pages into the book. Then it's just total chaos and emotion and crying for 200 <laughs> pages. You know what I mean? So like, that's how Robin Hobb feels for me. So yeah, so Golden, Golden Fool is is very cool, uh, but it's the second book in the trilogy. And I think I mentioned this on the, on the last episode, but man, Fitz, it's just, I feel like sometimes with, with the Fitz books, it's like, it's like just this accounting of everything he's worried and stressed about you know and it's just that for all hundreds and hundreds of pages like this new development happens and he's just like oh well now i gotta go talk to chade like the amount of times that that fitz goes to chade's tower and it's just like well and then and then i was in shade's tower again talking to him about all this stuff and then a bunch of stuff happens and he like goes back to shade's tower and he's just like all right i gotta talk to you about all this stuff again and it's just <laughs> it's just like some new development happens and he just added onto the list of things that Fitz is worried about. And then it all comes to a head at the very end. And it's just like, dude, stop doing that. Stop making decisions at all, Fitz. Like no more decisions. You just, we're just going to put you in a room for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> I hate watching this man make decisions, dude. Like and he's like pretty old in those books, isn't he? He's, he's our age. So he's like 33, 30, he's 35, I think. Okay, so he's okay. a little bit older than yeah, us. Yeah, so he's in a super prime, like super prime. Yeah. But for anybody that's curious about getting into these books, like Fitz Chivalry Farseer is considered like one of the most frustrating main characters in all Absolutely. of fantasy. It's like why I love him so much is because like I'm the most frustrating character in my <laughs> life, you know? <laughs> so I like know what it feels like to like constantly be pissing yourself off. And, like, well, and just like making decisions where like while you're making the decision, you know it's a horrible idea and like... I shouldn't be yeah. doing this, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> And he does that so often, or like, you know, different shades of doing that. The the cool thing about uh, the way that Robin Hobb writes out all these books is that, like, her characters are really complicated. These situations are really complicated. Like, there's so many different moving parts. There, It's all about, like, what people know and what people don't know and, like, what people's intentions are. And there's, like, miscommunication tropes and things like that. And uh, it's all very well woven together. But I am going to be pretty stoked to finish Tawny Man because it's been very slow i think after this i'm going to read the night angel trilogy by brent weeks nice you didn't you read the first one i started it on audiobook but i didn't like the narrator uh -huh. who funny enough is the narrator for the farseer trilogy which oh, i wow. didn't like 
listening to those on audiobook either. But yeah, I think I'm going to read the Night Angel trilogy. I like them quite a bit. Yeah, I was thinking about reading Gormengast, but I think after Tawny Man, I want to read something a little more fast paced and like just a little yeah, a little more punchy. Is is that how Night Angel is? Like, is that it's, honestly, it's I'll... been five or six years since I've read them, okay, um, so I'm yeah. not going to be able to be like super fresh. But I don't remember them being slow in pace. Do you think I'll be into it? Like, do you remember? I do. Having... I don't think that you'll be like this is the best book series I've ever read, but I yeah, do think you'll like them. Yeah, no, okay, I, cool. they're they're good. they're good. They're very good. Okay, sweet. Yeah, yeah I think that's what I'm going to do. They have cool covers too. Um, about halfway through Iron Gold, I I know we're. I'm sorry, everybody. We're we're trying over here, but like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> man, Iron Gold is um. It's not different. my favorite Red Rising book so no, far, man. No, it like, is not. I, it really, I feel like we just ground to a halt. We would have had a pretty big gap. Yeah, uh, we jumped eight Red years Rising. in the future, and I'm like, why did we stop here? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I don't want to get too far into it, but yeah, I mean, we'll 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 try our very best to have an episode on that as soon as we can. Everybody, thank you for being patient with us. Effie has a new job that she's getting used. To. How's she liking it? Oh man, she works Trader Joe's. She loves it. Yeah, cool. like every time she comes home, she tells me about all the wacky uh, customers that come through her line and stuff. Oh, I bet you they've got some like I can't pronounce this word in the ingredients. So like, <laughs> it's pretty. <good. laughs> I got I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just kind of a, a little life update for everybody here. Um. So. You know, I was already kind of in a funk, uh, not really a funk, but I was I was in a bit of a reading slump just because of how much work I've been doing on uh, Angie Kills a King. So I got some revision or some notes back from my agent and he seemed really stoked, which is he, he was you, he was tenor like, in your voice when you told me his reaction was. Yeah, I was like, it, oh, I was Evan stoked. Because well, because I, I spent like I, I mean, you all know you were listening to the podcast and watching me with giant bags under my eyes on TikTok videos and stuff <laughs> like like I was really grinding for like eight to ten hours a day, a day on top man, of everything so else hard. that I was doing on this draft. And, and you then, were doing fun, like inventive stuff. You were like fixing problems. I was fixing things. Right. Yeah. So and what's funny, too, is that when Seth, my agent, brought me on, he sent me this email, you know, where he had like he had like this kind of one page uh, of like notes and things that he thought needed to change. And I looked him over and I was like, oh, yeah, I totally understand this. Like I'm on board with most of these. I'm not on board with some of them, but I'm going to keep this with my other notes and just kind of consolidate and work from there. And uh, he also sent me another email later, which was like, Hey, uh, for your manuscript that you sent me, I redlined it. And what that means is that he went through and took notes on everything. Just, just like a more detailed kind of scene by scene thoughts on different things. But I didn't know that that's what he meant by redlining <laughs> when he'd sent that. What I thought, what he sent me a Microsoft Word document that was basically my entire manuscript with like red lines, literal red lines through some of the words. And I thought that's all that that was when he sent it to me. So I thought that he had sent me just my manuscript with like words I shouldn't use. Right. So but I was like, all right, whatever. yeah, right. That's, and that's what I, I was like, okay, well, whatever. We'll figure that out later. So fast forward to the night before I'm supposed to turn it in for submission. Oh no. I randomly open up the email and I click on the document just to see if there was any words I could take out real quick. And he's got notes in there for you. And there was a Google Docs sheet that oh, had no. dozens of really specific notes on the text. Oh. Right? <laughs> that you hadn't the touched night at before, all. That I hadn't even looked at. Right? Oh so, my goodness. Dude, when you and I were doing this, it took us like four hours to get through like two pages of my notes yeah like, yeah like a oh, lot no so thankfully a lot of the things that he noticed were also things that i noticed Ooh, great which was really nice and then also a lot of the things that he noticed 
and wanted me to change, I disagreed with. And then when I told him I disagreed with him, he was really cool with that too. And you're like the reasoning for that you were justified in your, like you'd have a better understanding yeah, of the story. And so you're like, no, this kind of corrupts the story for this reason sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I have to hold my ground on some stuff. Totally. And then, so I sent him out the manuscript a couple of weeks ago, the revised one where I spent a bunch of time like fixing stuff. And so when I sent it to him, I was like, man, like he's going to, he's going to get back to me in a few days and just be like, dude, like you still have so much work to do. Like you didn't even, but no, he got back to me and he's like, Hey, this looks great. Like, good job. You know, like this is, uh, this is very clean. Um, here's some more notes, you know, some suggestions that I have just different things to kind of combine with this, the notes that you still have. I still have a lot of notes. There's still certain things that I want to add right now. It's sitting at about 80,000 words, very clean, which is, I'm very proud of that. How many pages would you say that is like 310? That's perfect. That's Something great. Like that. It depends on the margins and the font and everything and whether or not I have like whole blank pages between chapters and stuff like that. But so there's still one scene that I want to add to the book and it's going to be fairly long, but there's still like one big scene that I want to add. That's like, what's the scene? I can't tell you. We can edit it out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to add, where is it in the story? Just tell me that it's in, it's in Tideron. Like it's in like the coastal town. Got it. Okay. And it's a public execution scene. Cool. I thought that that part of the story could have been, elongated a little bit too i'm gonna add more to it yeah cool, i'm adding cool. more uh there's some there's some cool stuff that i'm gonna add to it that's kind of what's been going on with me with the writing aspect of things i'm still working on stuff we, we are officially submitting to publishers at the end of this month so wow. i still have i have like basically one more round of revisions to do but this one has been really fun because i'm just kind of like i've i've read this book so many times now that like when i read through a scene i'm like well no she wouldn't say it exactly like that i think you've fixed most of the big problems and so mm-hmm. now you're going through and you're adding in creative new elements i think really like the at least for me i know the joy of a lot of the writing comes from being creative and like kind of expressing yeah, yourself yeah. in the words and you know fixing technical things isn't an exercise in self-expression right but you can now you've like fixed all the glaring things that now you can go through and kind of reinvigorate it the things that you are adding or changing are back to kind of self-expression sort of things like art you know yeah and just you know making sure like just continuity stuff where it's just like well why would they say it like this though because they say this thing later and that kind of contradicts so why don't we just switch this around and make it make more sense with this other thing that they say later like one thing that i've been trying to do and i don't know if this would count it as advice for anybody that's writing fantasy or not this is just kind of a thing that like along the way i've kind of decided i want to make sure i try to do is if you're going to incorporate some kind of like like name or convention or or some bit of world building into your book try to mention it more than once that's actually very good advice like just don't make it like this kind of like throwaway thing where it's just like ah yes the black winged belmamore of course and then like right, never right. draw attention to it like ever again like that's that's just not great like at least mention it again in relation to something else or have a different character mention it or something to make it feel a little bit more like that is part of the world and not just something that you threw in right so like that kind of stuff is like what i'm doing right now where it's like oh yeah i did kind of mention that thing like what's up with that like maybe i could dig into that a little bit more and kind of like round it out with a with another little conversation or another little nod or another like maybe someone sees like a poster or, or like a or something or someone mentions it in passing when they're passing by somebody on the road or like something like that to make it feel a little bit more lived in you know like you know like not everything in your world has to be 100 percent connected to your main characters all the time you know like right i mean it's it's good to have things that are connected to your main characters all the time obviously but it doesn't it is, flesh it is out a your big world, world very much yeah 
but that's just my yeah, that's really good advice i, I think because like people forget and i've read a lot of books where i'm like man i know that the author worked on this for so long that they were so they had thought of this element of their world or aspect of the story so many times that it was ingrained in their brain as part of it but to me the reader who having only read it one time wasn't enough for it and then it was like became a big thing later on that i just didn't mm -hmm. feel because it wasn't yeah. a thing in the world that i felt you know like only the author yeah. did you know and it's, it's hard it's mean, hard to divorce yourself and it's hard to your story. come up with stuff like it's, <laughs> it's, yeah do you tend to have a problem when it comes to like being original where you have an idea and you're like that's not original even though it like totally is because like there's nothing but there's also nothing new under the sun right and so it's like it's very easy to create a story similar to other people do you do you tend to beat yourself up for that or do you not have a problem with no i don't really care no okay because i've made that mistake with writing books where i'm like oh this has like been done before it's like yeah everything has been done before like that's fine i mean it depends know? on what it is like i mean like if if i was in the middle of writing a story and i was like hmm who do i call the bad guys maybe i'll call them the empire you know right it's like, right right maybe like, don't do that you know like like the dark but, nine writers <laughs> oh but i mean you know like if you're if i was writing kind of like a cool like space opera story I don't mind starting it on a desert planet, you know, like that's how it happens in Star Wars. But like, I, I can do it too, you know, but I'm not going to like call my main character, Luke Skywalker, you know, like, right, right, I'm not right. going to, he's not going to make a robot friend that only speaks in beeps and boops and one robot friend that is like very proper and with a British accent, like totally, no, totally don't do that, you know, but like, yeah, have him have a robot friend and come from a desert planet. You know, no, I, I don't, I don't mean things like that, but I mean, I try to get like so original that it's like, it's never been, it's like, man, you just can't, it gets you, I get my own way as an author writing. I find you stumble into that while you're drafting anyway you know what i mean like it, you're not going right. to accidentally copy all of something right, right i feel i feel like it would take more intention to actually rip something off you know what i mean no and it's not it so would... much that it's just i want it to be like so fresh and so yeah, clean so you, new but it's just like saying. i get in my own way it's like dude just no just write a good story man I mean, you know? it already is, but just by the function of you writing it, it's exactly. already original. Exactly. Like, I don't know. I know it sounds cheesy, I struggle but with that, just, though. <laughs> it is. Like, yeah, but like, just because, and you know, maybe this, maybe I sound like a dick if I say this, but I don't really care. But like, just because it's original doesn't mean it's good. No, you know what I mean? no, like, just not because you wrote something. Point. Yeah, like, just because you made something no one else has, like, doesn't at all mean anybody would fact, enjoy it. It probably you means, would enjoy it. Like, it like, almost might mean the opposite. Like, we flushed out most of the things that people like, yeah. right? You know? Yeah, I mean, I guarantee you nobody has made an album purely of crushing lifesavers together, but, like, <laughs> that doesn't mean that that would be a great album to no, listen to. that sounds to. awful. Like, no, I, in fact now that I have gotten out of my way and just been like, no man, just write the story that you want to read and just go for it. And it's so much more fun to write. It's a better yeah, experience yeah. overall. It's a better story. It's everything's better. Yeah. And then, I mean, if it's, if it becomes a thing you're sick of and you don't want to do it anymore, then whatever. And you just move on and you had fun with it while you did. And you know, just like, don't, don't put too much pressure on yourself to like make this cool, amazing thing right out of the gate. Like wait until you've got a whole draft the, you know, like put, put the pressure on yourself uh, once you feel like you're into like a second or third draft and trying to like really craft a, a coherent, like fi finished product. Then you right, can start right. stressing about stuff. But I would say just like have fun and don't worry about it for like most of the process. I agree with that so much. Know? So that's everything that's going on with me with like the book stuff. Um, but also I just want to update everybody and kind of like keep you in the loop of like what's going on with me personally to a certain extent. And because um, I, I just haven't really been posting very much lately, which it always stresses me out a lot, like when I'm not posting a lot of videos and stuff. But um, just to like stay pretty transparent with everybody, uh, I'm quitting nicotine right now. 
a lot of people don't know this, but I was smoking for a, oh, a really long time. Like I was, and I had kind of quit for a little bit when I first started making TikTok videos, but like not really. You were smashing the vape for the last few years though, right? For a while, yeah. yeah. For the last couple of years, I was vaping a lot and I was using a lot of nicotine so much to the point where I was kind of just like in a like endless anxiety spiral all the time because I was just really peak stress. I was really ripping that thing all the time and then I was getting anxious and then I'd keep hitting it like and just, I was just Thinking that it would down, make like, it better, but it's really it the doesn't. Thing yeah, for it anybody worse, that's yeah. out there that's struggling with nicotine, like it's not going to help your anxiety. By the way, it's just <laughs> I know it. You think it's going to, but it's not going to. You know. Please, no one interpret this as a statement of pro cigarette. Not my point of this statement, but the vape is especially. <laughs> vape. I feel like um, nefarious because you can do yeah, it inside because it's just vapor. It doesn't, and so it's like you could be doing this podcast while doing it. Where it's like you know yeah, I can't I smoke have. a cigarette yeah. while doing this podcast unless I want my office to smell like garbage for the next week. You know. Yeah, but I mean, so I'm. I've been dealing with that. It's been really hard. Like it's been really it's difficult. Good for you though. Thank you. That's yeah, it's, it's, very much it's so. been it's been so hard that I have had I've had trouble making stuff. Like I've had, I've had trouble because I've had so many different associations with things. I've just been really anxious, and it's I'm kind of like still a little bit anxious, and it's I've just been trying to like play my switch and like you know watch how I met your mother and like and, eat, eat mints and like just try <laughs> and chill out a little bit. I think that's real good, man. Like, I was a lot more addicted a lot to it than I happening. thought I was. Yeah. And so like on top of that, we're also trying to move out of my place soon. We've been looking at different apartments and stuff. And so there's all of that. Right. There's <laughs> like so much the, trying. You've got your book. There's just a lot of things yeah, that you a lot really going care right about yeah. that are happening in your life simultaneously. All is all of it's kind of happening this. I picked a hell of a month to stop smoking. Yeah, you did. Say like that. But I'm really glad that I did. I just wanted to like update everybody and just kind of keep you in the loop is like no i'm not like stopping with videos and i'm not like not going to post as much anymore it's not it's none of that i just hit a weird speed bump in my life where a bunch of different stuff is going on right now and i just wanted to like keep everybody in the loop and say content is king for me i love making content whether that's books whether it's podcast episodes whether it's videos whatever it is it's just right now i kind of need to like i need i need to chill out <laughs> i'm yeah, very yeah. high strung right now um on everything that i've got going on so uh that's it for me though for this week i played i played a little bit of that game um sea of stars if anybody wants to dm me about that game please do because i want to <laughs> talk about it more but chad has no idea what i'm talking about no, never. Uh, but it's very very cool <laughs> i'm thinking of the uh, mark lawrence series right it's like something uh, about stars that's the girl the girl in the stars or something yeah is it not called sea of stars no it's not it's something about stars huh speaking of mark lawrence though i was gonna try to maybe cram in that book of the ancestors series this year as far as like other books that i'm reading along the way but anyway that's it for me uh yeah so everybody thank you for listening to me talk about everything that's going on with me and all the cool me evan stuff me 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 blah 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 Chad, yeah that's okay we care so yourself. uh you're allowed to talk about you if not we yeah. would be asking questions or i would be anyway so you have the support of myself and uh the hundreds of thousands ah, of people who have listened to this podcast <laughs> so much dude i know i know it's a minute to minute struggle for real but yeah i'm proud of you man that's that's really 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 hard to do they say stopping to smoke cigarettes is as difficult or more so than some extremely hard substances so uh well Done. I mean, I, I, I associated it like so much with like my, my mom passed away when I was like 20 hmm. and I, I, I like really, I would, I had already been kind of smoking around there, but like I started really smoking a lot of cigarettes like around that time. Ever since then, my brain is just like, oh, feeling a little sad. Maybe have a little cigarette, yeah. like feeling a little anxious, like have a little cigarette, you know, and it's just, it's a lot to break down and like, 
it's a lot of self-awareness and the problem with over the years as like tumultuous and traumatic things happen you have those times where oh i'm gonna smoke more and you like justify it for all those reasons and then it's like real difficult to not establish a new norm (laughs) right it's not like i'm smoking more for a couple weeks it's like then that's just kind of the new regular you know so it's uh yeah no i am it's a slippery slope anyway yeah so what i've been reading here um i I read a little bit more of valor I, i have a problem trying to remember where I stopped for the podcast. So I find that it's way better for me personally. Like your brain is superior to mine in the memory department. Just halfway. Well, yeah, no, I know. Like I can remember where I stopped, but as story wise, you know, it's oh, like I, I could like be yeah, point yeah. to the page, but you know, as far as yeah. like what to talk about, what not to talk about on the podcast. So it's like, but I really want to continue reading it. So I, I think like so much time has gone by. We should just do the second episode of what episode, man. Like we, we should, like, we should do like, it. In one episode. We're already taking forever to do it. Let's cool, just, let's I want just to crank out me too. And like, yeah. and we've, we've taken so long with it. We'll just do an extra long, like recap. And then let's we'll do just that. Tell you. Bucket. I'm like, so I'm wanna, so here for that. I don't want to keep delay because I still want to read. I, I mean, I like Faithful on the Phone, but I want to read uh, Covenant of Steel. I want to read the Bone Chips. Yeah. I want to read Skullomance. And we yeah. got to start. On, we got the stuff to do. So we yeah, got let's stuff just, to do. Let's go back to one episode per book. I agree <laughs> <Whatever>. completely. <laughs> and then okay, we've already talked a little bit about Iron Gold. You know, the only thing that I'll add is it is not the Red Rising trilogy, and I'm trying really hard to think of them in my brain to view them as a new trilogy not the like the red yeah. rising three is different this is a totally new book series because man in comparison it's just not as good <laughs> so i think it'll increase yeah. my my own enjoyment if i separate them mentally if that makes sense i mean i think that's kind of in the intent i think the first one is called the red rising trilogy and then i believe the next one is called the iron gold tetralogy yeah, but it's hard not to think of it like as a continuation of that story which is so good yeah no for and sure. this is like you're not wrong yeah <laughs> you know uh, but i finished it it's the same writing quality right it's just the <sighs> events i mean you know it matters what you consider to be writing quality like yes it's well constructed story but like the story is not nearly as good no no and it's a little not, tiresome yeah. sometimes I'm excited to hear Effie's opinion on it because I don't too. think I don't think she's ever read three books in a series and then gotten to one that's disappointing like we have before. Yeah, <laughs> so she's probably going to be like, "What the hell is wrong with this guy?" And we're just oh, like, eh, "It kind of happens in series yeah, yeah, sometimes." No. This is what happens. Yeah. Um, okay, so I finished the Dragon Republic, and I never thought. Oh, cool! I never thought that I would say this, but like, maybe I've had enough of war for a minute. Maybe I'm worn really? out a little. Maybe not fully. Maybe. I'm here for a good war for sure. But like a maybe those war wars. <laughs> Dude, okay. The entire books are like people talking about war and then people yeah. doing and having war and then people talking about the war they just had and the wars that they're going to have. I mean, the, the trilogy is called The Poppy War. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But it's just Sorry, like... That was a- I know I'm being no I'm you know being... you're not you're not wrong like that is the theme of the book it is all about war and like don't get me wrong I'm a war fiend like I love me some more a war aficionado over here super in support of fantasy not real war <laughs> okay. super in support of war up. yeah uh, Chad no, loves war just love war but like man maybe some like exploration or adventure like there was just so much war so much war you know yeah. like, it gets a little, maybe tiresome war a big take that I've heard about the Poppy War is that RF Kuang should have kept it as like a school thing. Yeah. It's like the school thing in the first book is really awesome. Really awesome. And then, I don't know, I think that Dragon Republic is probably, apart from the school thing, is the Dragon Republic is probably the most exciting of the three books. I think that Yeah, but not a, the most interesting. Um, I think Rin is at her most interesting in that book. Really? I got kind of like, tired of her. 
Oh, then you're gonna hate the third. Book. She's just always <laughs> angry. You're gonna hate She's the mad third book. always, and I, I mean, get that. That's like a pretty pillar. Good reason to be. Like, yeah, I know, but like, come on, I don't want to. Re- she's just always snapping at people and losing her temper, and like, I don't really like or have a lot of respect for people who are super quick to anger. Like, it's just something that I uh, yeah. don't like, you know. And uh, who, who get mad for like silly reasons, you know? And she's just always annoyed. Like, I, I wouldn't be friends with her. Like, I wouldn't want to go get beers with Rin. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I th- I feel like with, I don't think you're supposed to like Rin. I think that's the whole point of the Poppy War. It's not the whole point of the whole trilogy, but I think that's the point of Rin is that she is like this kind of very unlikable person that's yeah. kind of thrown into this situation, and you're kind of like watching like kind of an unstable person dealing with something very like this. Unstable, you know, because yeah. like a lot of a lot of protagonists in a lot of books like this, they do have like a they're very competent. You know, like their 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 arc isn't about their inability to do things. No, she's it's very about skilled. How, well, I mean, uh, competent in in the sense that um, like able. I mean, like competent in the sense of like of how well she's able to kind of like emotionally handle what's going on with. Oh, all okay. Going Mentally on strong. All. It's so much going on. Yeah, like nobody could possibly come out of this situation feeling okay. You know, right, like, right, it's right. Really bad. It's a horrible situation like but it's very uh, the the reason that i like that series so much is because i thought that rin was like a really interesting character while i agree with you that i wouldn't hang out with her you know right really frustrating but i I haven't read the third one obviously so maybe i am not giving her the full uh credit that is due to her but like i would like to see her grow a little bit more and like Hmm. like be okay with some of the things like yes she has terrible she has all the reasons to be mad but like overcome it Look yeah, in the face of despair one. and then rise above, you know? That's what I want to read about. See, but like that's uh yeah, but that's not it's not what it's, how do I put this? It's not what it's always about. You know? I know, but like, I don't want to read a book about someone like succumbing to lives travesties <laughs> all the time, you know, and just being like, Yeah, I hate this. And like, yeah, she's so justified in her anger. But like again, I want to see you want some coming, resolution. Yeah, well, yeah, and her rising above, you know, and being like, yeah, totally. "Yes, this is my inclination, but I am going to decide to overcome that natural knee jerk reaction." You know, you should read that third book. I okay, want to hear your okay. thoughts on it for sure. We'll try okay. to be as spoiler free as we can for the third book in the Poppy War, but totally. Um, yeah, I mean, like, they're, they're not my favorite fantasy books by like. No, yeah. I really like the first one though. Yeah, the first one's really cool. Yeah, this one, and don't get me wrong, I didn't not like this book. It was just, it, it seemed simple it was like i was just eating hot sauce and i needed a burrito or something you know that's an interesting way of putting it yeah, yeah. i mean the world I was vibrant really... the writing was good though i just found the characters to be annoying and undynamic yeah i mean uh, i think it's really impressive that rf kwang wrote all this when she was like 24 24 you know? like wow. something like that like really young yeah i mean she's a very talented I hate writer. Hearing things like that you feel like a failure you know no no like alexander the great conquered the known universe at the time he was 28 like wow yeah but also like <laughs> I don't want to conquer anything. No, me neither. He was also born. What a like, douche. Yeah. 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 What a douche. Yeah. He, he like woke up one day. I was like, I'm going to kill everyone. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, whatever. Wow. You did that at a young age. How impressive. Yeah, dude. Like Genghis Khan. Like the guy, I read this fact the other day that you can actually, because he killed, he reduced the carbon footprint of humanity that like when he was around you can actually see that in like the ice cores or whatever like here's genghis khan reducing the world's population because he murdered so many people yeah that's pretty wild no isn't that wild (laughs) okay so the real uh thing that i'm stoked to talk about here is i started and finished uh jules verne's journey to the center of the earth 
Oh, cool. Wow, which, you went way back. Yeah, I went Retro. way back. So, so if anyone who's unfamiliar with Jules Verne, he wrote, um, you know, this book was written in 1871. And as part of his series, I think it's the second book in his series called Voyages Extraordinaires, which are each one is a standalone book. You know, there's like uh, 20,000 leagues under the sea. You know, it's like people going on voyages and it's very much interjected with the top science of the day. You know, like obviously the science today is far more advanced. So we're not like looking at it as like, whoa, this is so crazy. But like for him at the time and for what they had discovered about the known universe, it was very much a like science fiction sort of book. You know, the the get gadgets that the characters are using are like, wow, that's really cool. It's like a, you know, an induction coil or whatever. Whereas those things were just being kind of like invented and used really. I was watching a podcast. Somebody mentioned something about it and I was like, oh, that'd be really cool. I believe it's public domain. So it's like easy to get my hands on a copy. And then I read the whole thing and just it's like, it is so fresh and like it's written yeah. kind of like a documentary from the first person it's by his it's written by his or from the perspective of alex lindenbrock the uh nephew of otto lindenbrock who's like this impetuous and like single-minded professor of geology who gets really excited about this like little cryptic hidden message that he finds in this book about how to get to the center of the earth and then they set out on this expedition to get there and axel is pretty like pessimistic and reluctant and skeptical like the entire time like he does not want to be doing this but around every corner is like awesome adventure and like so cool things and it's all set in this setting that are like it could be real you know it might be it's like it kind of plays with your ideas of like well maybe that's down there you know it's definitely not definitely not definitely (laughs) not but it's written in a way and immerses you where you're like could be it's part of the appeal you know for sure Um, and like it's every it taps into like this like childhood dreaminess of like dinosaurs and ancient flora and fauna and digging and holes and deep under what's down there and just just what's around the corner you know what's over the hill and it's like we have google earth now so it's like (laughs) really easy to see that if without going anywhere and putting on the boots and getting out the ice picks you know but they didn't at that time and it's uh I, i don't know i found it to be really good for escapism and just like filled with adventure and coolness and fear and overcoming one's self-doubt and one's fears and and it, it was i loved it i really really loved it hmm. now that you mentioned it, i've never read any jules verne i should read some that was my thought when someone had mentioned it on this podcast i was listening to and i was like man i'm like a book guy i should probably like have read some jules verne it's like very famous yeah so. um i think that i for some reason in my mind I'd always group together Jules Verne, H.G. Wells, and Robert Louis Stevenson okay, as like the same author. <laughs> and I I know obviously that's not true, but like it was just like in my mind, it's just like I could never really get straight like who had because it's like H.G. Wells did the Time Machine and War of the Worlds, right? And like Jules Verne is Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, During, during the, the Center, Center of the Earth. Or uh, did he do Around the World in Eighty Days? He did, yes. Okay, and then Robert Louis Stevenson is Treasure Island. Yes, uh-huh. uh, which also okay, I read uh, pretty recently. Oh yeah, okay. So I've read Treasure Island. Treasure Island's great. That's like if anybody's curious about that, that book holds up. Like Treasure Island, Man. super holds up. Yeah, I read that one out loud to myself and loved it. But would you say that you're more interested in reading stuff from like the late 1800s, or did you kind of like satiate yourself? Like, but like, what do you think? Do you want to keep reading those? I think I think I want to read some more of Jules Verne specifically. Yeah, his writing style was really fun. Under the sea. Yeah, me too. I didn't really know until I was doing some research that Journey to the Center of the Earth was part of a series. But yeah, it's the second book in his uh, Voyages Extraordinaires or whatever. 
series. So what's the third one? Because it's probably around the Earth in eighty days. I don't know. So because like uh, twenty thousand leagues must be the other one, one of the other ones, I would imagine. Right. I'm about to find out. Yeah. One look second. it up. We're in fictional fun fact territory anyway. So we let's... are. We are. Let's go. My fun fact is about Jules Verne too, because oh, I'm kind okay, of on cool, a kicker. Cool, cool. So that makes okay. uh makes a lot of sense. Okay, let's do it. Beautiful. Look at us. Look at us. A couple of pro podcasters over here. We know exactly what we're doing, everybody. Man, we are flowing like water, baby. So the Voyages Extraordinaires book, which is Extraordinary Voyages, if you didn't put that together, uh, which is in French. There are a sequence of fifty-four novels by French writer uh, Jules Verne. Wait, what? So, yeah, he yeah. He wrote fifty-four books? Yeah. There's 54 I feel of them. Like more and then, of his stuff should be more popular. Go ahead. Sorry. I know. I know. No, no, you're fine. But there's like, uh, there's other authors apparently that have like added to this series as well. It took me a minute to like research it because I pulled up this list of like hundreds of books and I was like, what? Like, he wrote all of these, but no. But he did write 54 of them, which is an incredible amount. So there's like Five Weeks in a Balloon, Paris in the 20th Century, The Lost Novel, The Adventures of Captain Hatteras, The Journey to the Center of the Earth, From the Earth to the Moon, The Desert of Ice. There's so many of them. I had no idea he was so prolific. Wow, that's really, really cool. The Mysterious Island. I wonder... Oh, I've heard of Mysterious Island, for sure. Really? I never have. That was He wrote that yeah. one after um, Around the World in 80 Days. You can download, like, if you have an iPhone or, like, whatever, smartphone, and uh, you can download audiobook apps that literally just have all of this stuff. Totally, for free. Like, LibriVox recordings. Like, it's just, like, some dude in his garage, like, just v- that volunteers for this kind of stuff, and they just geek out on all this old stuff and they, they just put it up you can download like seventy thousand audiobooks for free like oh god i love the internet so I much love the internet so like, much man like if you if you're really really hurting for books like you can get them oh yeah oh yeah man i had no idea that he was so prolific and had so many books out but the guy was apparently way more prolific than i thought so it, within the books, there's like a lot of actual science injected into it. Like a lot of it is wrong. Like we have obviously advanced a lot since the 1800s and the 19th century, but it's got, it got like digressions into like geology and paleontology and they kind of ground the story in a real setting. And you're like, oh, cool. Like, you know, the bottommost crust of the earth that holds up like the structure of everything and all of the things on top of it is made from granite. You know, and they go through all these like geological things that are really interesting and are actually accurate because Jules Verne kind of writes this in this like fictional subcategory of scientific adventure. You know, I've always kind of like wondered that to a certain extent. I mean, um, you know, with even like uh, authors like Jules Verne who were very science minded and then even kind of more modern authors like, uh, well, I guess he's not super modern, but like Arthur C. Clarke, you know, like Arthur C. Clarke is like a friggin' scientist like you know what i mean like he uh it was very knowledgeable about what he was talking about but then i always kind of like wonder it's like at what point are we going to kind of like surpass like the knowledge that they had right you know what i mean like not saying that jules verne was wrong about granite but like in a little bit maybe we'll get better technology to kind of understand like okay oh it's granite and then this other thing we weren't able we didn't know it was also mixed in here because of our technology that couldn't figure this out or whatever totally this this is definitely something to ask uh, a geologist Uh, but what i'm saying though is like these stories will never die but the details that the science that they're upheld on with specific to science fiction might be a little bit different soon you know what i mean totally which is really interesting to think about they kind of play with that concept in the book itself because there's like an argument that the nephew is having with his uncle 
because there was like apparently a theory at the time that's been proven wrong for hundreds of years now. So, um, but it was a theory that, you know, there was a consistent amount of change in temperature the deeper you got into the planet. So it was like theorized that, you know, for every 500 feet, you would go up by three degrees. And so, you know, if you're going to go a mile down, you would it'd be 300, you know, it'd be like, you would never be able to live. And the nephew was like, you know, based on this person's theory, you know, we're never going to be able to get to the center of the earth because it'll get too hot. We now know that like, you can get pretty far down before you're like boiling, you know, they would thought like the bottom layer of granite wouldn't even be in granite form. It would be in fusion. I think it were fission or whatever yeah. happens when you increase the temperature a but, ton. In that, but, but do they go to the actual center of the planet in that book okay we'll talk <laughs> i don't want i don't want to spoil it even though the book has been out for a couple hundred years you should read it people because part of the majesty of the book is the adventuresomeness and if i were to know all the things that they would encounter it would ruin the story for sure so go on that adventure i very much recommend it i'm loving it and certainly plan on reading some more jules verne specifically from his voyages extraordinaires series here's another fun fact for all of you uh if any of you have seen the movie the core starring aaron eckhart and uh quality flick but... <laughs> <laughs> it's really not and i think hillary swank is also in it uh it's it's a pretty bad movie i saw it in the but... theater it's pretty this garbage uh, it's but so garbage. apparently they were like they were they were trying to make a movie about journey to the center of the earth i think oh really it, that's like, what it was about work. something didn't work out with it i don't know if it was like a rights thing or whatever it was but they couldn't do it so they made the core which is like the worst movie ever <laughs> oh it's so bad it's so bad it's pretty stupid like yeah it's it's because there was a bunch of dumb. movies about like, like environmental things that was coming out at the time right like we had to travel to the sun to restart one and one which was pretty cool actually I mean, that's sunshine that's pretty yeah awesome that movie, movie. rocked yeah, that's pretty good Still pretty stupid though. yeah also pretty <laughs> stupid Still pretty stupid yeah. i mean so it's only the same to the plot center of the earth if you really think about it but it's majesty and wonderful and, and i mean it's funny because uh like i feel like sunshine and the core are essentially the same movie for sure uh because like the whole point of it is that they're just shooting a nuclear weapon like into it to like restart it which is like that's our solution pretty, man environmental thing goes wrong we bring out some oh, nukes. Yeah. bang like bang in armageddon too yeah, we yeah, yeah exact, armageddon. wow this is blowing my mind a little bit right now oh my gosh no, we really yeah. solve a lot of problems with nukes i wonder if that's like a subtle uh marketing on the part of the uh government <laughs> nukes like, help, we, gotta nukes keep them help. <laughs> we need to keep them just in case you know like yeah. what if the core of the earth stops spinning and our electric magnetic field shuts down what about that hippies yeah, yeah you're gonna be <laughs> what are you gonna do then huh? Take that hippies uh, okay so um, now on to the real fun fact happen. here which i guess we've kind of been fun facting for a minute but i'm gonna throw a few yeah. more jules verne facts out there uh, apparently his 26 year old nephew who struggled with some mental maladies they didn't really know at the time because these things weren't really things but uh modern day psychologists were like yeah he had like some form of paranoia and perhaps schizophrenia but he shot his uh uncle jules verne twice when he was 26 years old which of course jules verne like on lived two through. separate occasions no or... no just twice bang just bang two times. You know? yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah yeah he was just like really paranoid and he had like a violent outburst uh caused by the belief that someone was following him and then that caused him to attack wow jules Verne. jeez that's awful yeah jeez, that sucks. yeah so he was only shot in the leg though but you know jules learned how to limp for the rest of his life because of that and then um the other thing was just i find it really and i think one of the reasons why jules verne is so acclaimed is probably like asimov a lot of his predictions that that he embedded within his fictional writings which was you know the guy thought of uh skyscrapers Railroad, transportation, the internet, suburbs, skyscrapers, elevators, like underwater 
submarines, like battery powered submarines, though. I don't know if you could call ours like battery power, but, you know, he got real close to like electric lights in the city streets, you know, things that we just like are like, well, yeah, but it's like not a thing at the time and actually takes some real good foresight into where technology is and where it could lead. It takes some real imagination in order to get there, which is pretty cool. You know, and like if you were to talk to like an ancient Egyptian about like a skyscraper, like they probably wouldn't believe you. Well, they were built the pyramids, yeah, no, so maybe I pyramids. picked the wrong. Maybe I picked the wrong ancient civilization. Talk to the ancient Sumerians about a skyscraper, you know, like bended with the wind and got struck by lightning all the time. They'd be like, "No way is that real," but totally is, you know. Yeah, I was kind of wonder about that. You know, it's like um, like kind of accrediting certain like um, quote unquote predictions to different authors and stuff because it's like I feel like you could lay quite a bit at the feet of especially authors like uh, Jules Verne and stuff. I'm kind of always curious about it too, or I'm always like a little bit skeptical, and it's just like. I don't know if like you're the one that thought about that you know like you're like the the popular writer that was writing about it but like right with like with um like ender's game like orson scott card people are just like wow that guy like thought of the internet you know and it's like well i mean i'm pretty sure a lot of people like, like jules verne thought of it way before him <laughs> well i mean like uh, and like the idea that like computers could maybe talk to each other like like telephones could you know i mean it's like it's not right. that crazy to think about that people were considering like a a, a web of sorts if you would you know like it's right. not really that wild to think that people in the 70s and 80s were like considering that kind of thing but then you know an author comes out and then publishes the thing that's the most that gets the most eyes on it so everyone's like oh obviously you figured that out right they you thought know, of touch just, screen it's like yeah ah, did they <laughs> i mean it, like especially with i mean now that we bring up ender's game like there's a lot like I mean, he's like playing video games on an iPad, you know, right, it's like, right. Or it's like it's pretty VR. crazy. It is. Yeah. I mean, it is definitely like, whoa, dude. It takes some it's serious like, imagination for, for sure. And I mean, like, that's not to knock, you know, it's not to knock the innovations that get made because of science fiction and fantasy and stuff. I mean, I feel like a lot of uh, Star Trek, you know, like the idea of like mobile communication devices, probably you could probably credit a lot of that to Gene Roddenberry. Totally. You know? Totally. I feel like, yeah. a, like a, a decent percentage of cell phones, like flip phones and stuff. Right. And what I find it particularly interesting is the fact that since some of these writings were the first things to kind of popularize the 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 idea of a thing, they kind of made the name for it. Yeah, they kind of made it happen. Scientists are yeah. like literally trying to figure out how to do like warp drives. But like, I don't yeah. think they would have called them a warp drive, you know? We need to get teleportation figured out. Dude, but who's going to be the first one for that, man? That's good. See, that, that's what that book, the short story, The Jaunt, is about. Stephen King's uh, short story. Yeah, it didn't end great. <laughs> but but the really one of the coolest parts about that whole short story that I, I really like is, is they start transporting humans, and that's where everything starts to go, you know, it gets a little finicky, you know? But, like, yeah, yeah. they did overturn the entire transportation industry, or the shipping industry, I should say. Like, the cost of goods, like went way down you know because totally like most of the reason things cost so much uh, at least at least, <laughs> at least the people say the things the reason that things cost so much is because right. of shipping costs you know if we're able to teleport stuff immediately it would be huge it'd be such a big deal there's definitely going to be all those hippies that are like just like microwaves they destroy vegetables if you like microwave but it's like really just i mean it could water it could. molecules it's, it doesn't <laughs> i mean maybe it does i don't know i don't know enough about I, if you the, cook the I, heck out of something it's going to destroy it regardless but like a microwave just excites the water molecules within it i do think that like the thing i think the thing we should be focusing or one of the things that i think would be awesome to focus on would be some sort of a 
like a, a way to get something from one side of the planet to the other. Oh, there's a lot of little conspiracy theories that they already have got a good grip on it. And, you know, that like should, can move things from it. A to like, B, let's... but like they're on fire or they're all messed up or things like that, you know, because like Dang. with a entangled particles or spooky action at a distance, as Einstein called it, there's <laughs> some work being done with that. Yeah, there, There's all sorts of things that are being worked on. And if you go into the conspiracy world, there's some like government programs that are pretty, pretty advanced. And I mean, teleportation. I love thinking about those sort of things, but I love fantasy books, so like that's not a. Yeah, threat. me too. I mean, like, and I kind of, I kind of oscillate back and forth because sometimes I'm like, oh man, like, like teleportation would be so cool, and like, why wouldn't we be able to do it? We've done all these other things, and it's like, I think it's pretty far and away from like, because obviously, like, if you explained a cell phone to somebody a hundred years ago, they would have been like, I kind of understand what you're saying, you know, like, I, I guess, I guess it makes sense that you could eventually get sure. it's like radio waves for like, it's like it's teleporting like little, a voice, though. It's like, yeah, it's like little portable radio waves, but like converting like matter to like radio waves or something like i right right i don't, I don't think opening a, a, a portal in space time like what yeah i don't think we're quite i mean we might be there but like yeah if somebody if someone if some like high up person was like yeah we're not even close to that i wouldn't be like why not i'd be like yeah that kind of makes sense this is yeah that, that, seems that pretty follows. impossible honestly <laughs> like, yeah well there's um you know they've already figured out ways to like warp space time a little bit it just takes a crazy amount of energy you know like yeah. there's the alcubierre yeah. drive which is like um, a theoretical drive from some someone named with the last name of Alcubierre that says like we could go faster than the speed of light without breaking physics by warping space time having like a warp field that decreases the space in front of the thing of the craft and increases it behind so it's like it's warping space time not going faster it's not it's not a element uh, it's not an action of speed that they're doing so yeah. it doesn't like break physics as we know it you know it's, it's like so we could thing. yeah it's like a stretching of space time sort of thing which is wild and we can actually do that on like the littlest teeniest level it just requires an insane amount you know every time we needed to go to the moon with the warp drive we'd have to use up the sun so it's like it's not like possible right now but mathematically it is what if there was like some kind of alien race that was just like eating whole stars so that they could power their their ships Dude, well that's what know? they call i think like a, a level five civilization is one that has created a dyson sphere which is exactly right. what that is which well, is like harnessing a, something and then there's like totally the power. destroying it like oh and eventually it sucks yeah. it up yeah no it uses yeah. up the sun damn that is so what the crazy. Dyson Sphere is, right? I'm pretty sure. I don't know if it like sucks it up. I mean, I know that it's, a Dyson Sphere is a, a, a structure that utilizes the power of the sun, like surrounds the sun. And yeah, basically and encompasses turns the star the and captures a large percentage of the solar power output. Yeah, it's yeah. Like you turn it into like a battery, basically. Which right. Is so Can you cool imagine that about. project <laughs> creating something that encapsulates the sun? Like, what? I don't, yeah, I don't know. There's like, is there like enough material in the solar system for that? Man, I don't even know. I, you know, but I always think like Sounds when really I'm driving big. down the road sometimes, I'm like, we've made so many roads. Like, when are we going to run out of gravel and tar and stuff? Like, never, like never. It's, we have so much earth, like the earth beneath us, right. is, like but the like, deepest we've ever gone is like nothing, nothing yeah, into but, it. Okay. You know? But think about like, okay, if, if the entire earth was made out of iron i don't know if that would be enough iron to cover the oh, sun it wouldn't. no no the, <laughs> like you're the right it's a different so scale big. we're talking about here like, yeah we'd have to go out to like asteroid fields or something and start like harvesting the yeah the, no, for real uh what's the belt the oort belt or something like that, that of the oort asteroid cloud. belt the oort cloud there we go thank you yeah so like i don't even know you know maybe with gold because gold is an interesting element right because it has all these like cool uh aspects to it that are unique to it like you can make it 
so thin, like almost like a molecule thick. Like you could take like a like a tiny little marble of gold and like cover a football field sort of thing, you know, without it. And it still being without it like breaking down fundamentally, you know, it's really cool. Huh. Yeah, but the, there's still not enough gold. No, no, it was really? yeah, like I have no idea. Though it's I mean, you so know, wild. there's we've if we look deep, uh, you know, we'd have to find a way to get there first, but we've like found diamonds made of or we found planets made of diamond or whatever in other solar systems. So <laughs> I remember being like twelve years old or something and like being in a classroom and it's like, oh the well, like this planet, this gas planet, it rains it diamonds. It rains diamonds because I, Venus or yeah. something, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like like in my mind, I was just like, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> oh my God. And it's like, yeah, but it's not, it's not, the, it's not, <laughs> Evan, it's not like you're sitting on a beach on this planet and then all of a sudden it's, it's like raining thunder diamonds rolls in. Yeah. on you. Like it's, it's, it's like there are diamonds like in the atmosphere. Like it's like a different thing. Is it? I don't know. I have not, I've, I've I not looked I'm, into the, uh, phenomena <laughs> well i mean whatever it is i wouldn't be able to i would just imagine that pressure is so thick in their atmosphere that it compresses know, carbon man. into diamonds and then I'm that's heavier and it rains down I'm yeah i fantasy know guy. i'm so sorry everybody that's gonna do it for us today everybody uh, we're let's getting end on that note we before we start talking Roberts here we're getting into science we don't understand yeah <laughs> uh, but everybody thank you so much for listening to this episode the monday episode is our favorite and um just so everybody knows um you can still write in q a questions uh, chad Please and i didn't do. do it on this episode but just so you know um i'll start a new discord channel for q a questions for the monday morning episode and then we'll set aside a little time to answer like one or two questions towards the end of these episodes so we can still get those going and kind of like keep the community involved because that's really important to me and chad yeah i remember when we, before we even started the podcast we were having like a conversation about like what we wanted it to be kind of the the idea of it and i remember both of us were very like into and passionate about the idea of involving the listeners in the creative process as much as possible and making a community um because man the amount of value that many people together can add is so much greater than just two people talking. So uh, I, I really love that and value that a lot. So please go hop in the discord, say hello to everybody and go give us some questions. If you're wondering about how to read faster or do we read with our finger or not, which I read an interesting article about, which we'll talk about <laughs> on another episode because um, it was really cool. But uh, yeah, still, still add, put those questions in there because we want everyone to be as involved because it's awesome. And you guys and are awesome. You're all awesome. Yeah. Chad, you're you awesome. Are awesome. Too. <laughs> oh, everybody's cool. Everyone's all right, everybody. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Hope you have an awesome rest of your day. And of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody. Bye.